Nine o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Jim along with Cake today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. Todd Helton doesn't get into the Hall of Fame. Comes up short. Got some frustration about that today. I know I certainly do. When there's eight people that didn't vote for him. Or anybody. Didn't vote for anybody. Anybody at all. Didn't vote for anybody. Absolutely maddening. You know how mad my teachers would have gotten if I just turned in a blank assignment? Come on. Well, and this this ridiculous, well, we don't we don't like some of the people on the ballot this year, like Alex Rodriguez, we're not going to vote for anybody. Okay, then don't vote for them, but at least vote for somebody. There's 27 guys on the ballot. You don't like all 27 of them? Come and, on. Yeah, Pettit, it's got PED connections. Obviously, A-Rod does. I mean, there, there are guys on that list that, yeah, you look at and you go, okay, Gary Sheffield, there's some connection to that. You know, maybe Mark Burley, you don't think he's a Hall of Famer? I don't think Mark Burley's probably a Hall of Famer. Jimmy Rollins, to me, eh. Billy Wagner came up short. Uh, he had, let's see, Billy Wagner, 68.1%. See if he gets in next year. Certainly it looks good for Todd Helton, who did finish with 72.2%. Because guys that reached that number since 1946... I think there's been eight others, and they all got in the next year. So that that does bode well for Todd Helton. But when you read that there are eight guys that didn't even, eight people that did not even turn in a ballot, oh, come on. All right, 902. Jim along with Cake today. Still uh, that bottle of uh, Talon wine out there for you, whatever you're uh, pulling out of the oven, or maybe you're going outside and doing a little grilling. Weather's been... A little chilly, but maybe you're outside doing some grilling as well. That's what the uh, that's what the grill's for the the warmth of the fire. Exactly. Whatever you're pulling out of the oven, taking off the grill, Talon Wine has the perfect wine to pair with whatever you're making. All right, nine o'clock here on a Wednesday. It's uh, the time we always talk CSU Rams sports with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth. Talking CSU with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth on the Jim Davis Show. Joining us on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, Brian Roth. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Doing well, Jim. Thank you. I know that uh, probably your wine today is the Rams coming up short at Wyoming on Saturday, 58-57. I watched a little bit of that game. What tough loss for the Rams at uh, Wyoming to a team that prior to that only won five games on the season. We talked about the week before previewing it. A lot of expectations for that basketball team this season. They had failed to live up to it, but uh, they were able to, to play just well enough on their home floor to get the victory against the Rams on Saturday. Yeah, you know, Wyoming probably had a little bit of luck kind of finally go their way, and Colorado State rolled out one of their worst first halves of the season in that game. You know, they were down 35-21, and obviously we're able to get back to normal and pick it up in the second half and, and in fact, take the lead after being down 16, but Wyoming was do I just I, as that game went along sometimes you get feelings that developed within you and it just felt like Wyoming was due and I don't know if you heard the story or not maybe your, your listeners probably didn't you know this is a, a Wyoming team that had lost eight straight games and uh, last Tuesday night there's a big storm on the front range of Colorado that went into Wednesday morning and they were at Air Force and lost at Air Force their eighth straight loss and we're driving back to Laramie when they're bus 
slid off the road and into into a ditch. Oh wow! And literally for eight hours, they were sitting on a bus waiting to get get pulled out of there um, between Laramie and Fort Collins on Owl Creek Road, which is an off the beaten path type road, and uh, sat there at an angle <laughs> for eight hours. So that was their week last week, and. They had lost eight straight. They had been ravaged by injuries, and you just kind of felt as that game went on Saturday. It's like, look, Wyoming has has something going for them here. Rams missed, by our count, 12 layups in the game, eight of which were just completely blown layups in the game. CSU turned it over at an alarming rate, and we know that's something CSU hasn't done a lot of this year. They're one of the best teams in the nation to take in the basketball. So, you know, look, credit Wyoming. They, they got the win, 58-57. As you look back at it, Colorado State just just made way too many silly mistakes and missed way too many bunnies uh, to to win a game on the road, even if it's against a uh, team like Wyoming that was struggling mightily. I know, and you, and you look at it, where Hunter Maldonado they hold him to seven points, and you're thinking, okay, had five assists, a couple of rebounds, but you, you see that stat line, you're going, okay, if you're the Rams, you got to feel pretty good about your chance of winning when you hold Maldonado down to those numbers. Oh, without question. There's no question. Colorado State did a great job of Maldonado. You know, Maldonado is a different player this year than, than he was last year because of the pieces around him. And, I mean, obviously that's that's the same with <laughs> any player. I mean, if you're out there playing with two or three other all-conference-type players, uh, you're going to be a better player. But, you know, Graham E.K. is not in the lineup uh, for him this year, preseason player of the year, you know, the post player. And then they lost the best shooter in the Mountain West Conference, Drake Jeffries, last year, who was – you know, and bouncing between the G League and the NBA. Um, and, you know, when when Maldonado was able to kind of go to work, he had two outlets in EK and Jeffries last year where he was able to kick out, and, and if the double team came, he was able to, uh, you know, again, hurt, hurt you another way. That's not the case here this year. And so Maldonado's not quite as effective of a player as he was last year. But to your point, Jim, I mean, the Rams – Took care of Maldonado, did a great job against him. It just really, when it comes down to it, it's a it's a first half that was as poor of a first half that uh, you know Colorado State's had this year, and gave Wyoming confidence. A team that was lacking confidence coming into the game, and you know at the end of the day, Wyoming was able to pull it out in the last second. And yeah, hard, hard one to to swallow if you're a Ram fan for sure. Rams play-by-play voice Brian Roth with us today on the Team Sports Network. And for Nico Medved, it just the, the frustration's there because he's made the comment that we're playing well enough to win. I mean, the, the, the loss to Air Force at home was certainly a, a big upset and very disappointing, but it was 85-74. Get that uh, incredible win at UNLV, 82-81. Lose a tough one to San Diego State, 82-76. And then you lose a one-point game on the road at Wyoming where... Uh, you know, I think Nico is right. Where the Rams are close, it's just some of these games just not able to get over the hump, particularly in a game like Saturday's game at Laramie. Yeah, it's been really one of those years where CSU can't seem to win the close ones. And and look, they're sitting at two and six in Mountain West Conference play right now, and six of those eight games have been really fifty-fifty games. They've been one possession games with five minutes or less, and. You know, you're seeing it two and six, and and six of those games are toss-ups. Well, you know, Colorado State's only won one of those toss-ups, and you know 
it's a CSU team that could be. I mean, what it could have, should have, could be seven and one in conference. The only time they've been blown out in conference where it hasn't been a toss up game with five minutes to go is the New Mexico game in the conference opener where they got beat by 19 at the pit. But, you know, I went back and, and I talked about this on my podcast today, Jim. So the Rams in 50 50 games, and the way I define 50 50 games is when it's a one possession game at some point under five minutes to go, right? I mean, that's a. It's a 50-50 game. It's it's right there for the taking. Colorado State is three and six in those games this year. They're three and six. Last year, when the Rams won 25 games and went to the NCAA tournament as number six seed, CSU was 13 and two in 50-50 games. Wow. So, kind of gives you an idea of you know the, the margin of error for the CSU basketball team this year is pretty thick. Last year is thicker, right? You could make a few more mistakes in 50-50 games and come away with the win. But this year, that margin of error is just so much thinner. And obviously, when you don't have a guy like David Roddy on the on the roster, that certainly hurts. But got to find a way to, to, to win close games. You, you just have to. It's the name of the game in college basketball, and in particular, in, in conference play. Ten games left in the regular season. It's that final ten games starts Saturday at Boise State. And we'll talk about the Broncos in a moment. But what do you hope to see from this team over these final 10 games? What do you think Nico Medved hopes to see from his Rams during this stretch? Well, he, he likes the way that they've been playing defense better since the Air Force game. And, and he was really upset about the defense following the Air Force game. And the Rams have been better defensively. So, so that is good. But, you know, maybe just looking for a little toughness down the stretch of games, right? And, and when I say toughness, it's, it's you know, gritting your teeth and, and getting that defensive stop that you absolutely have to get. I mean, that's what winning close games is all about. I mean, it's not about the offensive end. It's about can you get stops with, with under two minutes to go in a one-possession game? And CSU hasn't been able to do that here this year with any – sort of consistency so it's just being just a little bit tougher at the end of these close games and you got to get defensive stops but you look ahead jim and, and again yeah you have 10 regular season games left and you head to the mountain west conference tournament you know this is a, a mountain west conference that has five teams in the top 35 of the net rankings i mean could have five ncaa teams fortunately the rams aren't going to be one of those this year but but, but the mountain west could have five ncaa teams I think three is the is the minimum that they're going to get, maybe four, possibly five. And so you start looking at the schedule of what the Rams have coming up. I mean, they're only going to be favored at least. They'll definitely be favored at home against Wyoming, but that could be the last time the Rams are favored in a game here this year by the uh, odds makers down in Vegas. So it's going to be a it's, it's going to be a tough tough road ahead. The final ten games in this Mountain West Conference. CSU Rams play-by-play voice Brian Roth with us today on the Team Sports Network and, and one of those teams that is in a position to get one of those NCAA tournament bids. That's who the Rams take on Saturday at Boise, 17-5, and Boise State. Tyson Degenhart at 14 points per game. Uh, Marcus Shaver's been averaging over 13 points per game. Max Rice at over 13 points per game. They've got four guys right now in double digits, so it is a balanced attack led by Tyson Degenhart. He's, he's really something. And, uh, you know, freshman of the year last year at the Mountain West Conference, I, I think, depending on how the last 10, 10 or so games go, he, he has a chance to be the conference player of the year this year. And, you know, remember, Mac, um, uh, uh, Coach Rice, Leon Rice of Boise State, used to be a longtime assistant uh, for Mark Few at Gonzaga. And the Dagenhart kid 
is a Spokane kid. And he was right on the cusp of going to Gonzaga, and at the last second, Mark Few decided they weren't going to take Dagenhart. He called his friend Leon Rice, and he said, look, you need to, you need to get this kid out of Spokane. And he has been really good. And he's got that NBA type of body. I think he has a chance to, 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 to be an NBA player here in another year or two. So uh, Boise's really good, and, and they are right there in the hunt for the conference tournament. They're right there in the hunt for an NCAA bid. Once again, they're sitting at 6-2, and two, and they're only two losses. Overtime at New Mexico and a two-point loss at Nevada, who's right up there at the conference, top of the conference standings, too. So, you know, listen, this is going to be a hard, hard game. And don't forget, the Boise State team, Jim, that will, will still have a little something extra for Colorado State because Boise State won the regular season Mountain West Conference Championship last year, but they got swept in the regular season by CSU. So a little something extra for the Broncos on Saturday night. Hey, Brian, I always appreciate the time, and you can catch Brian with the call on TuneIn this Saturday, 6 o'clock, the Rams at Boise State. Uh, before I let you go, we know we've talked about this four-year diehard Broncos fan, like Cake and myself. Get that other guy that's not a Broncos fan. He's not here. He's in St. Martin's this week, uh, the, the Buckeye boy. Okay. Yes, uh, vacationing in St. Martin's this week, Brian. <laughs> Good gig. I believe, I believe he's on Judge Schmale's boat. Down in the down in St. Martin's, I believe he's spending some time on the boat with Judge Smales. But um, the Broncos coaching search, who do you hope they hire? Right now, we don't even know who they're going to have second interviews with. Right now, it's every other year. It seems like okay, we've we've had a, a fairly good sense of who the finalists are. We we know they've talked to Sean Payton and they've interviewed Ajiro Vero and they've interviewed Dan Quinn and D'Amico Ryan's and Raheem Morris and a lot of those guys. And Jim Caldwell, who do you think is going to end up being the Broncos head coach? What's what's your gut telling you? You know, that's I, I, that's I, I don't know. I mean, I, I my gut was telling me Harbaugh right at the start, uh, and then this Peyton thing is, is dragging on. That's a good guy. I, I don't know. I don't have a gut feeling on it. I'm just kind of awaiting like you guys to say, okay, when's the news going to come down? But I think I told you last week on the show, I'm like, I, the head coach obviously is important, but. The most important thing in the NFL is to have a to have, have a quarterback that is at least competent, and uh, I just I, I don't care who it is, just come in and fix Russell Wilson. That's that's the only like, I don't know who you that want. is though. But fix him, <laughs> fix him. I mean, I don't know what's broken, but fix him. Whatever it is, <laughs> if we got him for another what five years, fix him. Perfect stuff. Perfect that's, stuff for wine about a Wednesday, Brian. That's perfect. It's a, it's a just <laughs> fix him. I don't have to do it. Just fix him. Yeah, I like that. Good. Well, Brian, I appreciate the time, man. Take care. Have a safe trip to Boise and have a good call on Saturday. Absolutely. Thank you, Jim. All right. Take care. Brian Roth. I don't care. I don't know him. what's broken. Just fix him. Just fix him. Make this man well again. <laughs> Heal our brother, Russell Wilson. Heal him. We can make him better. We can make him stronger. Russell Wilson, former Seattle Seahawks quarterback. We wanted out of town. Him. And he goes to the Mile High City. Where he, where he faces the incompetence of Nathaniel Hackett. Whoever, then an accidental dose of gamma radiation. <laughs> makes no him slower. No, wait a minute, that's just age. Makes him slower. Less sure of himself. The creature is wanted.
for for a poor season that was mostly the what, fault of was the we're going to make six million dollar man with incredible hulk now is that what we're, what we're doing here maybe maybe okay hey you know there there have been worse ideas in hollywood i, I look i'm still waiting for the six was it going to be the six billion dollar man because come on it's inflation show, show came out in the 70s and so yeah it's it's gotta be six billion now i don't even think it's, it's probably more like six trillion if you're only going to build a bionic man, it's probably more like trillions of dollars as opposed to billions. So there and was... Mark, Mark Wahlberg was going to play him. There was a $6 billion man... Yeah, okay, so let's see. That was... It looks like it was supposed to come out in 2020. But uh, as we all know, there was that thing that was going around. You know the thing in 2020. Right, that, that little COVID thing. That, that little thing. But I, I remember reading that Wahlberg was going to play Colonel Steve Austin. The IMDb page says, plot unknown. Feature film based on the popular 70s TV series, The Six Million Dollar Man, directed by Travis Knight. Top cast, Mark Wahlberg. That's it. I'm just hoping that if they do it, that he fights Bigfoot again, like he did in the original series. <laughs> there you go. There's some stupid... Oh. But the original book, which I believe was a French book, we're gonna go. We're gonna go nerd here for just a moment. Just a little bit. I think it was called Cyborg, where the Steve Austin character was actually like a spy, and he was not afraid to kill people. He was actually not a great guy. He was a bit of a bit of a bad would, dude. Would you say anti-hero in that a regard? A little bit, yeah. But I don't believe he was an astronaut or anything like that. I think he was just like a, a spy, an assassin that they had enhanced. I mean, he might have been involved in some kind of accident or something. I don't think he was an astronaut, though. I could be wrong about that. But but the book Cyborg, which they based Six Million Dollar Man on, was far darker. And the Steve Austin character was not the all-American Lee Majors kind of guy. Right. That Oscar Goldman would send him out to whack people. That was the kind of that was kind of what the book was, and I don't know if they were going to do. I can't imagine they were going to do the movie that way. I imagine he'd still be very much a a good guy, probably. I would think so. Who do we have on the Chick Fil A breakfast team phone line? It is Howard and Fruita checking in All this right. morning. Good morning, Howard. How are you? Pretty good. Even though it's wine about it Wednesday, I'm agreeing with you 100 percent on the Todd Hilton stuff. You know, Jim, years ago when I used to go to the Broncos summer training. Uh, I got to talk to a couple of the media guys. Jim Armstrong was one of them, so that's been several years. And I asked him about the situation with Gratishar and even with Floyd Little. This is before Elway got into the hall. And he said, the guys from the East Coast are just full of themselves. He says, as far as they're concerned, we still ride horses out here. <laughs> and he <laughs> might, have said that in, might have said that in jest, but we've been... We've... We just haven't done well with the Hall of Famers for a variety of reasons. I, I don't know what it is. You know, if these guys don't want to vote for anybody or just one person, you know, that's fine. I'm wondering how they handle their business on the real jobs. Do they tell their employer, well, I don't feel like doing this? There's just something wrong with the system. They, they need to they need to shake things up there. That, that's just inexcusable. As far I just want you to have eight people that don't vote. I mean, come on. Why? But you're, prote you're protesting Alex Rodriguez. Gary Sheffield, guys that have PED connections, so you're not going to vote for anybody? 
I, I just well, yeah. then, why, then why are you allowed to be a voting member of the baseball writers? If you're, if, I know. if you're not going to cast a ballot, the, then yeah, makes no sense to me. I know it. You know it, it, what? What Helton is probably thinking of right now, looking at that. If he hears the name Randy Gratishar, he probably figures, well, you know, Gratishar is in for it all last time. That's just that's just how people do their business, and you know, all all he can do is just hope that that seventy two and that percent gets up to seventy five. I thought that it would actually work this year, but oh well. Oh well. Maybe so, next. Year. Anyways, that's all I. Anyways, that's all I had. Oh wait a minute. Just one quick note. Uh, Kansas City and Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati takes them. I think Mahonis' ankle is going to be a problem. And Kansas City's defense is fairly good, but they're not top quality good. I, I think Burrow is going to take care of business. I'm going to say 26 to 17. All right. Very good. Thanks, Howard. Great to hear from you, sir. You bet. Take care. All right. Coming up, Katie Wingy from Altitude covers the Nuggets. Uh, Got to correct myself. Not a French book. I don't know if I was French. Martin Calden wrote it here in the States. And it was about Steve Austin, who was an astronaut who gets in a crash. And it's it's essentially the same story as the movie was or the TV shows, but he's a nastier version. He's just a he's more of a more of an assassin. Right. More of a spy that uses his enhancements to do the work of the government. So I stand corrected on that. Don't know All good. Anyway. Always like to pride clarification. 922, Katie Wingy from Altitude joins us next. I'm a big sports addict. I like sports. 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 This is the Jim Davis Show on the team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. 102.1 FM, Delta Montrose. It's Nuggets Talk with Altitude Sports, Katie Wingy on the Jim Davis Show. With us right now from Altitude, Katie Wingy. Katie, how are you doing? Good good to catch up with you. Yeah, good morning. How are you? Doing fine. Uh, great to have Nikola Jokic back after missing a couple of games. Obviously, uh, Michael Malone back on the bench last night after being in the health and safety protocol the last four games. And last night, the Nuggets needed Nikola back last night. His 15th triple-double hits that shot with 16 seconds to go to get that win over New Orleans. Uh, the return of the reigning MVP couldn't have come at a better time for the Nuggets. Yeah, no, and, and I think, you know, he missed a couple games, and we saw Jamal Murray really step up in his absence. Aaron Gordon really stepped up in his absence, and it gave a couple other players an opportunity to be more of a scorer's mentality, and they took over in that way. Um, obviously, the game on Oklahoma, in o- against Oklahoma City at home didn't go the way the Nuggets had wanted, but getting Nicole Jokic back as their centerpiece, that's, you know, like you said, the back-to-back MVP, and so that always provides a, a huge lift. And like you said, with Nicole out, that provided Jamal Murray the opportunity to kind of put this team on his back a little bit. He had his first career triple-double. Uh, he had 25 points last night and seven assists. Did have a couple of really bad turnovers in the fourth quarter last night, but uh, really for Jamal Murray, you're getting the sense that his game is really coming back together after kind of a slow start to the season coming off, of course, uh, a season where he was on the bench with uh, with the knee injury. Yeah, and, and last night, too, I think you were maybe seeing in the fourth quarter a little bit of fatigue from Jamal. He played 40 minutes in the game last night, which is, I mean, really, really high. That's a lot of minutes. That's a high-volume amount of minutes. And so um, you get Nicole Jokic back, and maybe it takes, you know, a little beat to get their chemistry back to where it was, but 
they made it count when it really mattered by making that final shot and going to that two-man game um, that they have come to know and love so well and they've spoke so highly of. And so uncharacteristic turnovers, I think, just between the two of them in the fourth quarter. But the bottom line is the Nuggets still found a way to win and, and to win on the road against a team that's been – they've lost a few games as of late, but a good Western Conference uh, team that has provided the Nuggets some trouble in the past. I mean, you look at the, the first game in New Orleans and – Jose Alvarado once again kind of went off against Denver, and then last night he was a huge, huge spark for the Pelicans, but the Nuggets were able to withstand that storm, and that's what really matters is just the win on, on the schedule when you look back at it. Katie Wynn, she covers the Nuggets for Altitude with us today on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. I think that when you look at the bench play, Bones Island didn't play last night the, out with the injury, that uh, who's the person on the bench that's maybe not getting enough attention or enough credit for the job that he's been doing. Obviously, Bones has been playing really, really well. But outside of him, who off the bench, Katie, you go, that guy comes in, gets a key rebound, makes a big block, makes a big defensive play, comes up with a clutch bucket. Who's that player off the bench that maybe isn't getting a ton of minutes but does have some substantial impact on the game when he's in the game? I don't, I don't know if there's one necessarily. I think that the Nuggets have found some consistency within their bench, and that has reaped some rewards for them. I mean, Vladko Chanchar, he's had a couple really big games. He can make some big shots. He's shooting a pretty good percentage from both the field and three, and he comes in and just does all the little things, like sets great screens for his teammates. Is pretty good defensively at keeping players in front and rotating over. Um, you look at a guy like Zeke Naji, who's really found himself over the past couple weeks and has gotten an opportunity to play, and that experience has built confidence for him. So his offensive rebounding lately has been tremendous, and he's given Denver multiple opportunities to score uh, when they miss the first time around. He's also super versatile in terms of switching, so that allows Denver's defense to switch one through five at times. Um, and then you look at a guy like Christian Brown, who comes in, and whenever his number is called, he's been ready, and he's is always going to work really, really hard. Zeke Nagy is that same way. You always know you're going to get 100% effort with those two. And Christian Brown is a good defender. He's learning as a rookie. He's really great cutting off the ball. His movement off the ball has led to easy buckets for him. So it's been kind of fun to watch that second unit find their identity and those players really make an impact with their opportunities. Katie Wenge, Altitude, joining us today on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. I love the way Aaron Gordon's playing. He really seems like he's found himself. He's found his role on this basketball team. Do you think he's an all-star? Because I certainly think he's in that in that conversation. I agree with you. I think he's in that conversation for sure. And now I guess it's probably going to be up to the coaches to decide the reserves here. So I think that his stats really stand out. The West is just so deep in terms of talent, in terms of depth. I mean, Aaron Gordon's having a career season. His efficiency is off the charts. Um, and, and he sometimes, I think, gets lost on a team that's very deep and talented. And so this season, I think he's been one of the most consistent factors for the Denver Nuggets in terms of why they've been successful. And being able to have him shift back to that true power forward position, he has been just absolutely elite at scoring in the paint. He's put on a dunk show every single night, it feels like. Um, and then defensively, we know what he provides on that side of the floor, too. So he's absolutely worthy of being in that conversation. Um, and and I, I personally, I think I'm a little bit biased, but I do think he should be an all-star. I think that's a, a, an accolade that he has earned. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that you know certainly he has played a role in this team now, building a two-and-a-half game lead in the Western Conference with the way he's played, along with, obviously, Nikola Jokic and, 
and Jamal Murray and others. Uh, Katie Wenji covers the Nuggets for Altitude with us today on the Team Sports Network. Uh, good to have Michael Malone. I believe, didn't you ask him the first question last night in the presser? Post-game or pre-game? Post-game. Yep. Sounded like you last night. Uh, asking Coach Malone, hey, how good is it to be back after missing four games? And and it sounded like he just, he really, he was driving him crazy to, to not be with his team, to watch games and and screaming at the TV and maybe maybe texting David uh, Adelman or Adelman, excuse me, about hey you need to be doing this. It seemed great to have him back. Obviously, Nicole has only missed a couple of games, but good to have get the band back together with the Coach Malone back on the bench. Yeah, and Coach talked about getting on that plane to. Um, it was like Christmas Day for him, like being able to see everybody and, and reconnect and give big hugs and um, just kind of be back with his family, away from his family and. You mean you mentioned the yelling in the basement? That's classic Coach Malone when he's had COVID in the past or been in health and safety protocol in the past. It's kind of a, a similar story. So um, thrilled to have him back. I think everybody was happy to have him back, and it was good to see him. You know, running those timeouts, being a part of those huddles, and setting the guys up for success in the way that he has been known to do. It was cool to see him kind of back in his element. And he said he's back where he belongs. And David Adelman, I thought, you know, of course, Rick Adelman, his dad was the, the was the coach in Portland for so many years. I thought David did a nice job. They went what three and one with him on the bench, uh, stepped in and did a nice job filling in for Coach Malone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's no question that his next step, David Adelman's next step, will be a head coaching position. I would really be surprised if you know there were openings this off season if he wasn't one of the top candidates for all of those positions. Just with how poised he is, how smart he is, how great he is with players and other coaches. And he just, you can tell that he was made for that role. And he's learned a lot from his experiences. He talked about that. He said he was really happy when Coach Malone was coming back that he'd be able to slide back into his assistant role. But he just is so grateful for the opportunities that Malone has given him and the opportunities that he's had within this league, within the NBA. And I, I just, it's easy to see him filling that role somewhere in the near future of, of being becoming a head coach. She covers Nuggets for Altitude. Katie Winchie with us today on the Team Sports Network. Tonight, the Nuggets take on Milwaukee. It's Nikola against Giannis, uh, two of the league's biggest stars going at it. These two teams are 4-4 four and four against each other the last four years. So uh, a big showdown. The Bucks are 30-17, and 17, Nuggets 34-14. and 14. It's a huge one tonight between these two teams. Yeah, and it's interesting. I feel like the Nuggets, you know, always get the short end of the stick here playing in Milwaukee. Is They've played on second nights of back-to-backs um, quite a few times here. They've found ways to win, but it's been very adverse conditions for the Denver Nuggets. I mean, last night we're flying out of New Orleans, and there's a tornado warning. And so we're sitting on the runway, like, waiting to see if we're going to beat the weather, if we're going to make it. So we were delayed in taking off. I think the head hit the pillow ended up at, like, 2.30 a.m. in Milwaukee, so... Um, once again, some adverse conditions that the Nuggets are dealing with, some adversity, but I'm sure they'll find a way to to compete and come out and, and play hard against one of the best teams in the East. So we'll see who's available. They're still there. We'll go through their walkthrough later this morning um, with Jamal Murray playing 40 minutes. I wouldn't be surprised if they rested him in the, in the second half of a back-to-back just because they do want to be really safe. He's played in a couple back-to-backs already. Um, but with the travel last night and how many minutes he's played, I wouldn't be surprised if there was no Murray tonight. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what the Denver Nuggets are able to do and, and what players they're able to, to make available to play. Well, Bones Highland out with a finger. I mean, how, how does Michael Malone work around that with Jamal to try to give him a little bit of rest tonight with Bones, who normally is his backup? 
I mean, you look at Bruce Brown, and, and he'll just have to play a lot. Realistically, Nikola Jokic is your point center, so you can yeah. run all of your offense through him. So true. Um, and then, you, yeah, you just kind of work around that. You, you, you maybe stagger KCP with that second unit because Jamal Murray has been the guy that's played with the bench unit and has been the starter that stayed in. So KCP, Bruce, players like that. And then, once again, it'll be an opportunity for somebody else to, to step up with a little bit higher minute load. All right, Katie, we'll have the game tonight, 5.30. Jason Kosminski with the call. Tip-off at 6 o'clock. Nuggets in Milwaukee to take on the Bucks. Wednesday, we do a thing called Wine About a Wednesday with Talon Wine. I would imagine for you, maybe a lack of sleep. Maybe that's maybe that's, <laughs> uh, maybe that's a wine that Katie Wingy has today? Sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay, just go with a lack of sleep. That would... That would that makes me cranky too, and I. Don't. I try to find the positives. I, I don't. I don't know if I would be the best participant in the whining Wednesday. <laughs> I, I tell you, what, I'm, I'm I'm surrounded by people with positivity here. Yourself, my colleague, uh, Mr. Franson, your hockey colleague Connor McGahee on earlier. Can't get anybody to complain about anything today. Everything is <laughs> skittles and beer and barbecue and rainbows and kittens hey, and puppies. there's a lot to be grateful for. Yeah, we I, have a pretty great life. Okay, well, I'm, 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 maybe I need that positivity to rub off on me, because actually I have a lot of things to be <laughs> to be extremely happy about. Hey, Katie, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time today. Yeah, no problem. Have a good one. You too. Katie Wenji on the road in Milwaukee. Got in like at 2 in the morning on the flight. I'm not going to complain about it. That's the, if that were me, and, and Lord knows my history of airline troubles is well documented i would be the worst complainer (laughs) if if that were me waiting for a tornado warning to pass just to get out of out of a flight on new orleans uh, i would be cranky you just gotta roll with it though i guess i mean you know traveling with the mavs a little bit over the years you just gotta roll with it like the time we got the bus crapped out on us coming back from we went to western oregon we i think i've told the story before took the bus to salt lake flew from salt lake to portland took the bus from portland to monmouth back to portland flew out the next day got to salt lake city we get out of salt lake city like i don't know how many miles not very far and the bus craps out and it took like i don't know five or six hours for the bus to finally another bus to finally get there we're there forever I'm sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, yeah, I've I've been there. Get that. Understand that. 937, and it's time for... That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right. We go back to 1964. On this day, Blue Ribbon Sports is launched. Do you know what Blue Ribbon Sports turned into? One of the major sports networks? No. Something you wear on your feet. You probably have owned a pair of these at least at one point in your life. Nike? Nike. Okay. They were originally known as Blue Ribbon Sports, and then they changed the name to Nike after the Greek goddess of victory. And the rest is history. And the rest is history. Also on this day, 2001. The Nuggets lose on a Nick Van Exel timeout with only 5.2 seconds left in the game between the Nuggets and the Utah Jazz. Tied at 96 in Salt Lake City. Nuggets guard Nick Van Exel had just tied the game with a layup. It was now sitting on the bench as the Jazz drew up a final play. As the teams walked back into the court, Van Exel glanced up at the scoreboard, which showed the Nuggets still had a timeout remaining. 
turned out to be a turning point. On Utah's seemingly final possession, John Stockton missed a critical layup. Van Exel came down with the ball and immediately signaled timeout, stopping the clock with only 1.3 seconds remaining. Problem was, Nuggets didn't have a timeout. Scoreboard was wrong. Scoreboard was wrong. Technical foul says to the Nuggets. John Stockton went to the line, sank the go-ahead free throw to make it 97-96. Nick Van Exel pleaded with the officials to change their call and received a personal technical foul, which again sent John Stockton to the line. Again, Stockton hit it, making it 98-96. Utah got the ball back in the violation. Daniel Marshall was fouled, missed both free throws. Antonio McDice threw it full court. No good. Nuggets end up losing the game. So there you go. The stay in sports history. Well, no, you forgot one, and I'm I'm a little hurt that you forgot this one. Well, what did I forget? January twenty fifth, nineteen ninety eight. The Denver Broncos win their first ever Super Bowl in oh, Super Bowl thirty two. Was not was not on my list here. It's Jim. I'm sorry. I was thinking this day is my daughter's birthday. I Un- unfortunately for you know that the Bronco fan fandom part of me. Not, not unfortunately. Otherwise, thank goodness. Right. Remember that first and foremost that it's Rachel's that's, birthday today. That's, that's a good, yeah. That's fair. So they went. They won Super Bowl thirty two on this day. Super Bowl thirty two, the helicopter, this TD one the migraine, Pat, the migraine, the whole thing. Uh, what's his face? The the safety yelling on the sideline. We're playing the Indianapolis Colts right now. What was his name for the Packers? Number 42. I'm trying to remember. It was... He went to the Falcons the next year and played against the Broncos and had like the... Is it Eugene Robinson? That's it. He was yelling on the sidelines. Because he got voted. He was like man of the year, and then he got then busted he got with a lady of the evening. The, yeah. The lady of the night the next year. Yeah, and that was like a huge story. It was the night before the Super Bowl. When he played the Broncos again and got torched by Rod Smith. Yeah, absolutely just, yeah, destroyed by Rod Smith. Do you remember who the referee was for Super Bowl 32? Hockley? Yeah, Hockley. Yeah, Hercules Hockley. And old Qualcomm, 31-24. Good times. Remember the game well? Just forgot the day that the game happened. Well, now you know. The day, see, when Rachel was born... It was Saturday. The next day was the Super Bowl, and that was Buffalo, Washington. Okay. Because I remember holding Rachel, watching that game. (laughs) 9.41. We'll take a break, and we'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio. At least at the pro level, the best of the best. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 945. Jim along with Cake today, the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. They were both the man back in the day, TD and John Elway. Oh, yeah. As you mentioned, today, the 8th anniversary of the Super Bowl 32 win, Qualcomm in San Diego. Where, you know, the Broncos lost the, the previous four Super Bowls they were in. They got outscored 163 to 50. Yeah. Yikes. And do you remember this? Okay. you. This is, well, 
you were this is before you you were how old? So when the Broncos won their first Super Bowl, I would have been two going on three. So you you wouldn't have known this, but did the Broncos go in as an AFC West champion or as a wild card? They went in as a wild card. <laughs> yes, they did. Because the Chiefs were the division leaders because they, they had to play in Kansas City. They, they won the division that year. And so for the Broncos, they go as a wild card. They beat Jacksonville, get the revenge against Jacksonville. Yes. 42-17. Then you mentioned they go and they beat the Chiefs 14-10 and the Steelers 24-21. Making them the fifth wild card team at that point to go to the Super Bowl. So some good memories of that day. Halftime show, tribute to Motown, Boys to Men, Smokey Robinson, Queen Latifah, Martha Reeves, and the Temptations. That is a that's a quite quite a lineup there. And of course a day that you know, this one's for John. Oh yeah. Broncos get their first Super Bowl win. I mean the numbers for, for Elway, which he was great the next year, over three hundred yards passing. Had the huge game against Atlanta. Won the MVP tra- in that game. Won the MVP, tried to, tried to take TD away. And John was like, okay, old man can still sling the rock. But 12-22, uh, 123 with a pick. But he had the touchdown on the ground, 5-17 on the ground. Of course, Terrell Davis did the heavy lifting. 30 carries, 157 yards, three touchdowns to win Super Bowl MVP. Uh, who is the Broncos? Okay, who's the Broncos' leading receiver in that game. I'm going to throw a random guess out and say it was Ed McCaffrey. Good guess. Two catches, 45 yards for Oof. Ed McCaffrey in that one. And Rod Smith famously did not have a catch in that game. Did not have a catch. But said that it was still one of his favorite games because he got to block for TD, who went out to help them <laughs> win the Super Bowl. Yeah, he went and yeah, he was the MVP. So, yeah, worked out, worked out pretty well for Rod Smith that day. All right. Thanks, yeah, because it didn't, it didn't pop up and... My thoughts were about my daughter's birthday today, and but uh, happy Super Bowl 32 victory day today, and my daughter Rachel's birthday. All right, 948, time to wrap it up with some garbage time. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. I should do this before, and because we're doing it now, it doesn't mean that they're not garbage. They're not. No, no. Got a text from Rick this morning. Morning, gents. Always appreciate the show. My wine today are the people who use the windshield cleaner at the gas station like it's their own car wash. All the windows, all the headlights, etc. Move on. I agree. Rick, you're totally right about that. While you're pumping, you clean your windows, and you move on. The other one I hate, too. Okay, you got got me going at the very end of the show today. Go to a car wash. Go right. to one where you, you use it, you know, you wash the car yourself. Okay. Self service. Self service car wash. You're sitting there waiting, and the guy that decides he's going to dry the car, or the, the towels are outside, they're out in the front. Okay. Where you have, you can go get your towel, depending on which car wash you go to. There's one in particular I'm thinking of. Well, this guy went out, got towels, brought them in, and started drying his car in the stall. And. My wife went through this where pull the car out. You pull the car out. You dry the car off outside. That's what everybody else does. Well, she's kind of like, hey, um, uh, I'd like to wash my car sometime today. 
please and thank you. The one I also had the one time at a car wash where the guy looks like he's done. And then he goes over like a fifth time. <laughs> You're going, wait a minute. I've been sitting here for, for 10 minutes. And, and you know, washes the entire truck, washes every nook and cranny, every bit of it, oh, and then geez. decides, I need to do it again. And then takes the floor mats, which he's already washed, and washes them again. Uh, Rick, My guy. Rick, a feel for you. Going from Larry from Clifton today. This day in history, I separated my shoulder and Meeker playing golf right before the Broncos won their Super Bowl. Ouch. And maybe that was, ended up being a... A good omen, Larry? I um, guess. Sure. What did you do when they won the next year? Was there some kind of physical thing that happened? Some Twisted ankle. Yeah, twisted ankle. Hopefully nothing serious, like a Ho- torn ACL or something. Hopefully, Larry, you have not had to go through more physical pain for the Broncos to win Super Bowls. Hopefully it was just that one time. And that was that was the, the price you paid for Denver winning a couple of more Super Bowls. After that, a, right. small, a small price to pay. Small price to play, pay. All right. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr. is playing in the Venezuelan league, like a lot of players do during the offseason. They go and play in foreign leagues. He's uh, playing in the Venezuelan professional league and <laughs> pumped a home. He pimped a home run like he just hit the walk off home run to win game seven of the World Series. <laughs> it's an incredible job. A pimp in the bomb by Ronald Acuna Jr. <laughs> he pumps his fist at the crowd, points at the crowd, uh, pumps his fist down again. He hasn't even got to first base yet. Pumps his fist again, cheering at the crowd, pointing to the crowd. And then he finally starts running the bases. There you go. All right, do you have anything? We know who's going to be doing the halftime show of the Super Bowl. Now we know who's going to be doing the pregame show. Chris Stapleton. A really good singer. And Babyface are going to be doing some sort of Super Bowl pregame show. It looks like they're going to be doing, let's see, if I'm reading the article right, it looks like they'll be doing America the Beautiful. All right. Very cool. So there you go. Rihanna's the halftime performer. She's going to do good. I think she's going to do She'll be really good. Really good. Jeannie Buss of the Lakers did something really nice for an ex-Lakers player. Uh, retired former NBA big man Slava Medvedenko was in attendance Monday at the Lakers' annual all-access event. During the event, Bus presented him with re- a replacement championship ring. Uh, he's from the Ukraine, won two rings uh, over his career at the Lakers, but sold them to aid his country's war effort against Russia. And so Medvedenko's two rings sold for a total of $253,534. It went to his organization, the Fly High Foundation, was committed to helping Ukrainian children affected by the war. He was now 43, played six seasons for the Lakers, 2000 to 2006, won rings in 01 and 02 during the Shaq and Kobe era. His best season came in 03-04 when he started 38 games for the Lakers, averaged eight points per game, and they went on to uh, make the NBA Finals but lost to Detroit in five games. Also uh, had some pretty uh, interesting speeches and Lakers championship parades. Oh. But, how, but how cool is that? Oh, that's so cool. That he donated his rings, sold his rings to help Ukrainian children. And Very it's cool. And it's cool that Jeannie Buss replaced them. Yeah, I think exactly. That's, that's, that's a, a good gesture. That's a class move by Jeannie Buss and the Lakers. Do you have anything else? 
Um, today is also the day that they will begin those capital expansion projects at uh, Empower Field, the new scoreboard, video board. This is the largest capital improvements project to that stadium in its 22-year-plus history. $100 million. Which, to Mr. Walton and Mr. Penner, is probably something they found in their couch cushions. Like, hey, look, we got some extra money. Let's fix the they're place up to a spend, little bit. If they're willing to spend four hundred grand on grass in the last week of the season in a meaningless game, imagine what they'll do when it's all going to come together. Hopefully in a much, much better fashion next year. All right, a guy that's been following the Sean Payton coaching interview journey is Jeff Duncan. We've quoted him before mm-hmm. of NOLA.com. Covered him going back to his, of course, New Orleans Saints days. Right. And Duncan has tweeted out that he completed his interview with uh, Carolina on Monday in Charlotte and will meet with Arizona officials tomorrow, as previously reported. His second meeting with Denver's been delayed. And he says the longer this goes, the likelihood of Peyton staying at Fox increases. There you go. I think he's kicking the tires on stuff, and he's just like, I don't think any of these really, really interest me. I think it's because he wants the Dallas job. Could be. Could be just going to sit back and wait another year and make some good money from Fox and and take the best opportunity. Why not? All right, that's our show for today. Mark Johnson will join us tomorrow on the program. And coming up tonight, Nuggets at Milwaukee with Jason Kosminski. Pre-game at 534. Cake, I'm Jim. Thanks for joining us.